Hello everyone and welcome to Fireside Friends. This is episode 43. I'm Ryan Prasad and with me is my co-host Alan Ibrahim. Hi, hello. And Katie Marie. Howdy, it's me. How's everybody doing? Doing pretty okay. Doing alive? Yeah. Uh, Same. Yeah, same. No, I'm (laughs) I'm definitely still alive somehow. Uh, Joining us for this segment of the show is Jen. Hey, how's it going? Glad to be here. From Scanline Media and Novel Not New, a true end podcast from (laughs) abnormalmapping.com, sitting right next to me. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Showing a mic today. Uh, And this is our second time attempting a recording. Should we do the Kingdom Hearts bit again? Oh, I really like that there's a mysterious Kingdom Hearts bit, though. <laughs> yeah, I, I really love the part where Alan sang the whole theme from Kingdom Hearts 1 in its entirety. Yeah, no, yeah. Alan, you have a really good voice. It's a shame nobody's <laughs> going to hear it. Oh, well, I guess we're going to have to just never use it. Oh, I just deleted the file, too, and emptied my recycle bin and restarted my computer. <laughs> oh, <no>. oh, well. <laughs> That's a bummer. And then uh, just like static noises, and then like simple and clean, <laughs> distorted through the through the, the noise. Well, the far off memory is like a. <laughs> <laughs> yes. I'm basically Roxas is the thing. That's like Roxas is me and I'm Roxas. Pour one out for Roxas, <laughs> my boy. Skateboarding and kicking uh, bags up uh, up hills. Yeah. For a menial, for a menial wage. Great, and now we just replaced our Kingdom Hearts bit. Anyway, yeah, better Kingdom Hearts <laughs> bit. Hey, I love it. Uh, this episode. Uh, so for segment two, we're going to be talking about the Circle, which is a uh, film based on a dystopian novel by Dave Eggers. Um, it is pretty much about technology and how it'll come about, like. The sort of fucked up situation that the world will be in and is currently in. Um, and so in lieu of that, I wanted the segment one to be about technology and how it fits in our lives um, and how we sort of deal with technology. But how we also broadened that out to how we live our lives, how we live our lives uh, in the context of our labor and also how we want, how we sort of keep up with uh you know media like games movies etc uh sort of under capitalism um and how technology sort of serves a function in our lives in context of that um so like a lot of like time management stuff and making time for stuff that you have to like really work at because if you're like me or jen or you know you want to keep current with stuff because you want to write about stuff etc do podcasts about stuff but then you also have to do a full-time job or you know have other life stuff happen um and so i basically just wanted to talk about how we balance everything out um especially in this like weird fucked up world that we lived in uh right now so yeah it's um it's a complicated topic. I'm very excited though to dig into it though, for sure. Yeah, and Alan, I feel like you being someone who 
uh, has taken time away from social media. Like, you're the only person in this call who has, like, taken time away from social media and said, I'm going to just go off Twitter. And then you'll quit Twitter for, like, six months. Uh, Hell and, like, yeah. And, like, has done that successfully. So I kind of wanted to have you start off and be and talk about, like, what makes you want to get off social media in the first place? And how does that benefit? Like, how does that help you out? Uh, so I've done the thing that you're referring to, uh, like, more than once. Like, I've, like, left Twitter. And, and Facebook, I mean, I just straight up don't use anymore because I think it's a garbage website. And I don't care about anybody I'm friends with on there. Mm-hmm. And if I do, I see them in person. Uh, but, like, with Twitter, um, I've been on Twitter since 2008. It's going to be 10 years Dang. that I've been on Twitter. Oh, boy. Um, which it's is wild. Been... It, oh, it's no. been t- 10 years. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. And that's a whole different different story is like how Twitter has changed. But for me, the problem with it lately is that, you know, as I have kind of gotten more independent and started doing my own thing and starting all these projects and getting my name out there, I've like expanded the people that I follow to be more diverse and to be sort of like people that I aspire to be in terms of their careers and the way they act and the way they look and all this stuff, like kind of create uh, cultivating this feed of like people that i um aspire to the problem with that is that a lot of times um your heroes or your idols or your just like people that you care about or think are cool um are like called are they're making this sort of social media presence that's very um constructed obviously for their own self-confidence and for their own brand you know we talk about brands a lot and that can lead to me and it did especially like early last year and the year before that um just feeling really like like losing all sense of self-worth um i think the last time i left twitter for a significant amount of time it was like something as benign as like someone posted a selfie of them playing video games with their friends or something and i was like that's it that's never gonna be me i'm so mad that it's not gonna be that i'm leaving this website (laughs) Like, I just, it, like, and it felt good. It felt really freeing. Like, at first, it's, it's like, you know, cutting out any habit. You don't realize um, how much you use it and how much it becomes an extension of you that you just have access to the, that group of friends or whatever. But after a while, it kind of, like, changes the way you think about stuff. Like, you're not creating ideas for content in your mind as much. And you're not, like, I don't, I was, like, writing jokes differently because I wasn't, like, thinking of, like structuring anything into a tweet i would just Mm -hmm. like find different ways to convey them and i was like technically more productive but not really i think there's this myth that like if young people got off of social media we'd all be like suddenly amazingly productive it's not that it's not that true right you wouldn't exactly use that time well like i did use a lot of that time to just like lie down and sleep which is great but it's not necessarily better um and then i feel like towards the end i even got like to be honest with you a little bit lonely um just feeling like you know, there are days when I just can't realistically see anybody in person. I'm at home, I'm working, and I go to school, and I come back home. Uh, yeah. And so between that and then coming home and not having anybody on social media to talk to, uh, I would just, like, have minimal human interaction for a whole day. And that was it. And it made, it made me feel like I was going a little crazy, to be honest. <laughs> I was like, I don't – there's, like, nobody in my head telling me all these different opinions and, like, bombarding me with takes – and sometimes that's really nice. It, it makes you feel a little bit less lonely. Mm-hmm. It's, you know, I, I, I feel like people should tr- consider trying it if they think that social media is, like, in any way harmful to them or they just want to see what it's like. It's as simple as, like, delete Twitter off your phone and don't, like, make a shortcut to it on your computer. 
and try that for like a day or a week or something and just see how it feels if you don't like it go back on it's it's not poisonous it's not going to kill you either way but it was definitely a weird thing for me yeah no uh the brand stuff is a very real thing um especially it's one of those things where like we talk about twitter as a way to at least a lot of people do as a way to like build communities and you know get to know people and stuff like that but then also there's a layer of it to there's a layer to twitter that rewards uh being a brand and being somebody who exploits other people's opinions or you know just like oh i'm gonna i'm gonna go out of my way to make a really popular tweet like you could do that on twitter um right and oftentimes some of those people maybe aren't the best people even though they appear to be oftentimes especially in the last few months or so we've seen people who we thought were really cool uh, turn out to be total garbage humans that's been a common thread on twitter and it's no mistake or it's no like coincidence that like these people have outward like progressive quote-unquote personalities um is that twitter like it is useful in that it helps us it can help us shape who we want to be in terms of like it helps us explore gender feelings or it lets us voice things we wouldn't be able to voice online like anonymously and stuff like that but it also can be a tool to hurt and that a tool like using it as a tool to hurt people has been pretty prominent especially nowadays so yeah I'm curious, what is everybody, like, what brought you to your social media platform of choice and why have you stayed other than the, like, having a community of people? Because um, everyone, I'll, I'll, we all agree here that, like, we, I think all of us here only know each other through social media. That's how yeah. this podcast came to exist. Um, is through the connections that we made online. But, like, what, what brought you there and, like, what other than your friends, like, what is it that you, you like? Like, if we were to think positively about the the services that we frequent jen you're the most popular person on twitter yeah <laughs> this yeah i'm so most followed user i think yeah yeah there's something like uh 1007 so far oh boy yeah it's a situation where i initially followed people because i was in high school and a bunch of other people were also joining twitter at that time but i ended up staying there initially because I was a closeted trans woman, and I didn't really have anyone else in my vicinity to reach out to. And it it was fairly easy to follow other trans women on Twitter and sort of communicate to them through talking to them, boosting their points that, hey, I'm trans too, and at some point in the future I'd like to come out. Can you give me any tips regarding this? And um, it kind of went from there. And at the same time, I wanted to do a lot of creative writing and writing for video game websites. So I followed a lot of various industry people, both freelance writers, people that ran sites for Giant Bomb on Gotaku and Polygon, and tried to put my work out there. And so far, half of the articles I've been able to publish have been through 
just tweeting things out, like starting threads on certain subjects, and someone will reach out to me in DM saying, "Hey, do you want to turn this into an article, or do you want to do you want us to pay do you want us to pay you so you can buy this game and investigate it further?" And yeah, it's a combination of pretty much all my fr- most of my friends are on Twitter now, and it's also how I met y'all basically (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's weird because like it seems so weird that like how much money you're able to earn sometimes is coordinated with your social media presence like jen you were mad about south park at work and then austin walker reached out to you and was like hey write an article about south park for waypoint yep (laughs) like that's ridiculous like you wouldn't you wouldn't if you told someone like maybe like 10 years ago oh this is how people will get paid in 2018 that's (laughs) like that's a farce like it's weird it's i I mean yeah and for some people that that i don't know a better term other than like it's the job it's the hustle uh like you have to keep your name out there and keep your um, personality relatively clean and like all oh, your takes need to be public um, and you need to be on top of things because and that is how to, we get you work. Have to you have to be emotionally like you have to be open about your takes but also like emotionally vulnerable because people want to read the emotionally vulnerable takes and yeah. but not too this... vulnerable because then it's controversial right you know like it's such a i, it, I you, like you got to be vulnerable enough to be inspiring or exactly. or worthy of the discourse and then you say retweets don't equal endorsements in your bio. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. And, yeah, and like I, I I appreciate like the people who who that's like your that's your work that's your your living. Um, I'm happy to not be in that position because I couldn't handle the social stress of it all. Yeah, it's really unhealthy because I've been in certain points where I'll tweet out a thread about some sort of social issue, and because I'm the right people follow me, it gets boosted to such a degree that, well, at some one day last year, my follower count jumps from 800 followers to 1,600. Because you did a thread about autism. Yeah, because it really affected me, and suddenly that got picked up, and. It, it's put me in a bad mental state because I'd like to be liked by people, but um, just seeing the numbers just fluctuate from 1,773 to 1,772, it kind of gets at me sometimes. It's like, I have this bad mental reaction where it's like, oh, did I say something wrong or... Are pe- do people actually not like me? Do they figure out that I'm actually a boring person who sucks? And it kind of it kind of snowballs to a point where this stupid thing, this stupid follower count, is causing me to have a have mood swings and have really bad mental states. So, yeah, yeah, the numbers are terrifying. That's a plot point of. The Circle by Dave Eggers. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> uh, yeah. Um, I guess so. So, Katie, have you, as somebody who also is not like extremely online, because you, you know, 
well now that you've like been public posting your art more you obviously like had more out there but like do you like where you're at with your your presence right now do you does it make you nervous to like have be a voice especially now that you've like been on the podcast do you feel like as more people have like started following you uh is that like something you like do you like the attention do you like the feeling that there's like more of a conversation happening or is it just like super intimidating like it is for me um okay so I don't know it's I feel like I don't reach enough people at all and like I guess the follower count thing that you mentioned Jen that definitely applies to me because like if I you know like draw this one thing and it gets a decent amount of attention like one of the first things I posted publicly was a drawing of Lukoa from Dragon Maid. And on Tumblr, it has, like, almost 300 notes. So it got engaged with pretty well and everything. But everything I've posted since then has not done even nearly as well as that, like, on Tumblr or on anything. And so that makes me feel bad because I'm like, okay, well, obviously that was just a fluke. Nobody likes my art. Like, why do I even still try to post or anything like that? I feel that way. Um, and I feel like I have such an abysmal following that it doesn't really matter, um, (laughs) I guess, with about the things that I post or the things that I say, and I don't know, I've been kind of, like, online my whole life. I know that's, like, a weird thing to say, but, like... Yeah, dog. (laughs) Hell yeah. No. (laughs) Um, my, my parents were kind of affluent i suppose so ever since preschool i've had access to a computer um even though that was in the 90s because uh, my dad was a hobbyist with like building computers and technology and stuff um and my mom is a coder so like that sort of thing has always been present in my life i have pretty much always cultivated relationships with people online and strangers and that sort of thing and I've never really turned that into a following I kind of use it as more of a like like purely social thing um so this like starting podcasts and being on a podcast and trying to get my art to reach people is kind of a really new experience for me and although I do have a certification in social media for business it feels so different whenever I'm trying to do it for myself. And I have, like, really awful feelings of inadequacy regarding that. And, I mean, like, ultimately, I love social media and I love connecting with my friends and being able to share, like, my thoughts and ideas with so many people and um, being able to connect and relate with others. But at the same time, it's like, specifically from from a quote-unquote professional standpoint is I guess where it becomes so stressful and not in the sense that like I I I don't know like there are there aren't people talking to me in a bad way because I don't reach them I guess and so that's where I feel bad because I'm like well 
nobody even sees what I say, so I don't know why I post anything at all, kind of thing. And that can be really discouraging, especially whenever I want to post new content, because I'm like, well, I mean, nobody's going to see it anyway, because I have, like, two followers, <laughs> you know? But it's something to work towards, I guess. Stay positive. <laughs> it's such a fine line, though, because I know, like you're you're putting work like you're also putting work out there in a different way than what we were talking about earlier with Jen but like at some point if your following gets too big i feel that like the worry comes from like too many people giving you too much feedback right. and too much criticism because i've definitely had moments like that like when i started a couple years ago like uh writing more and when i was doing more youtube stuff i would get comments that were just like or even like when i first started podcasting and i was like posting threads to reddit i would get comments that were like very um, like specific digs at the way that I spoke or the way that I edited and I've like learned from them and I've you know I've actually like made friends with a lot of those people but uh, it was hard for a while to just like like put something out there and hope that people like it and the first comment is like the audio sounds like garbage and yeah. it's like oh you didn't even right. listen to it like oh it just it like stings in a weird way but then it's just like Trip, you triple down on like I'm gonna get much better at this. I need to learn. Right. It makes this like weird perfectionist loop in you. That's probably not healthy. Yeah, it's we're in a weird spot now though, where like we've done this podcast long enough, where we put it out and people like it and listen to it, and it's just like hard to register that people do that yeah it's just like oh somebody would be on discord and be talking about how they liked our doki doki literature club discussion and be just like oh huh okay Weird. somebody listened to that i guess yeah <laughs> apparently <laughs> so. yeah somebody somebody in the discord today was like you should all listen to farsa friends and i was like ah no god uh, that was that was me though <laughs> one of one, one of those was me Yes, that's true. <laughs> but I think it was definitely co-signed by other people, and I was like, oh, "We have real listeners." Yeah, and They're like I've made bots. I and and we, I mean, like we've made friends through the the work that we put out. Like I've gone to know all of you. Well, right. <laughs> uh, we've all made fire. It's in the friends. name. It's in the friends. fireside friends. friends. It's, it's in, in the, the name. name. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I've like made real life friends with like chats listeners, which is even weirder because I'm like, this is a thing that my like friend from middle school and I bullshit about TV for an hour, and someone like listened to that and like took a flight to Boston and then was like, hey, do you want to meet up? And I'm like, that's wild. <laughs> that's real life. The things that we put out there on the on the online, as I often say, uh, sometimes make these like really cool things happen, like cool sparks of of energy and excitement. Um, and so. So in context of social media management, how do we how do we find time for the stuff that we want to do, whether it's watching a show that we really want to get to or playing a game that we just haven't gotten around to yet, or if or like in Katie's case, doing art or doing criticism in Jen's case, like how do we find time for that? Because while I'm not doing a full-time job right now, I do remember when I was, and most of the time when I was working that job, it was just like, I'm going to work for eight to nine and a half hours, 
come home and just veg on the bed and just not think about anything else for the rest of the day. Just relax because I need it. Uh, and then get up for work the next day. So, and I'm in like college right now and I still find the balance to be hard, even though I'm doing journalism work and studying, which is not quite the same thing as full-time work, but it's still like getting, you know, I got like, I would, I would very much like to tell you that last night I read a book and I played more Phoenix Wright. Instead, what happened was I got depressed, and then I watched Jeff Gersman play a old PS2 Garfield game. <laughs> <laughs> so, how do we find time for this shit? Okay, um, so I feel like I have kind of a controversial viewpoint on this sort of thing, um, because I think that inherently social media is not bad and I feel like as a society we kind of view it as a bad thing like that we're obsessed with and that it runs our lives and I mean it, it that's a fair criticism I think that's a fair thing to say but I also feel like as a society that social media is pretty crucial um because I mean like that's how the internet is how I interact with you all the internet is how I get my news. It's how I support my friends. It's how I try to make a living. Um, and I think that it's not bad to be connected. Um, but I think ultimately it comes down to personal willpower. And I, which it, I have zero, by the way. Um, <laughs> Same. I am, like, unfortunately, like, always on my phone, even to the point where, like, it upsets people that I'm with. And I know, I feel like that's a problem with myself more than anything because it's, like, I need to be able to, like, step back and say, all right, well, I'm trying to do something in real life right now, so I should be able to. Um, I know this is, like, kind of contradictory, but I think that... I guess that while it's not a bad thing, social media in general is not bad, um, it comes more down to personal restraint, I guess, it's for time management. And it's hard, admittedly, because, like, so much of our world revolves around social media now. Like, with, again, news and how I have friends, because, like, being, you know, having chronic pain issues and being mentally ill, sometimes it's hard for me to leave the house. And so I don't always have, like, face-to-face -face connections with other people. And that's not how my career or life is going. Um, so, I don't know. It's, I think sometimes, like, it can be good to say, all right, I need to put down the electronics and go do something um but i definitely also think there's a happy medium because you can live tweet i guess you know media that you're consuming right. um and you can also connect with other people so it's not like just because i'm doing something online it doesn't mean that i'm deliberately ignoring other people 
because mm. you know you may you may very well be connecting with other people i don't know i feel like it's such a so much gray area right now mm. um because of how new the internet is to society in general i guess we're still trying to figure it out yeah yeah it's it's been difficult to figure out a good work-life balance especially in the last few months um it's hard for me even to get through the workday on my own so it's been a situation where just to keep myself uh sane more or less while i'm working within the office i am constantly ducking onto my phone to tweet something or take a look at something or formulate plans for when I get home. And it's hard for me to even quantify free time anymore because when I'm experiencing a piece of media in the back of my mind, I'm always like, okay, I can, this can be material for something I'm working on. It can be a podcast. It can be a let's play. It can be an article that I come up with that I, and I pitched someone else to make money. And it's hard to find time or it's hard to quantify time anymore as free time. Like, I feel like I'm constantly on in one way or another, trying to make it as a freelancer, make it as a creative person, and make it as a critic in general. And it's really hard to keep that energy up and do this very demanding full-time job at the same time and take care of myself at the same time. And spend time with people that I love and I'm still trying to figure that balance out and I hope that I'm able to do it soon so things feel a bit less train wrecky than they do right now especially with like freelance stuff too where it's like oh I gotta I gotta check my email I gotta check my email because I don't know if like I've been assigned something or if you should be looking out like for like journalism stuff too. But it's just like, all right, what stories do I need to be on top of? Uh, and it's like doing that at like fucking midnight on a weekday for some reason. Yeah, in the last, in one of the previous things that I've worked on. Through freelancing, I had a situation where it was like, okay, I have to wait by my phone to tell that they're editing the document through Google Docs now so I can take a look at their edits and immediately respond with my own suggestions or change it based on what they're looking for more so they can get it up and running and published as soon as they can to decrease the chances that it won't get rejected in any way. And... It's a lot of time for your brain to be focusing on making it, more or less. And I'd like to find a way to kind of reclaim that to have fun, to have fun on my own, but it's been very hard to do. Yeah, it's very important to, like, not, you put all of, of this is for me at least, like, to put all of my quote-unquote free time or, like, my five minutes before bed or any of that, um, just, like, being online because it is really comforting for me as somebody who doesn't need like I said doesn't have this um need to like keep up with the news like I, I keep up with the news because I choose to not because it's going to like help me in any career way um you, you keep up with the goddamn news I keep up with the goddamn <laughs> news Don 
Um, but I don't have like I I I get the I have the privilege of being able to say no. I don't want to pay attention to it today. Like, and I know like Ryan has told me like how shitty it would be to have like all of these people enough of a following that like you can't like be anxious on your public accounts because that is like a job offer or whatever that you're going to to be sacrificing like how shitty that must feel or 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 it's like five people in your mentions being like hey you good hey you good and you're like or telling you to drink water and you just want to die um well actually if you cut out gluten and you start exercising (laughs) oh sometimes fact is truly stranger than fiction uh um no it's but like I said, I like I have I have I, that doesn't have to be a problem for you, but but it's still like I don't know, just getting all the takes gets so tiring after a while, and like remembering like what we talked about a month ago because it all goes by so fast, uh. and it's it's always like in these cycles of discourse, like the same shit has like I said, been on Twitter for ten years. The stuff we're talking about now is what we were talking about ten years ago, and we're gonna talk about it in ten years from now. It fucking sucks. I don't engage. I try to never engage with it. It's all yeah, we have. Looking forward to 2029 when we once again discuss whether criticism can be objective. <laughs> well, yeah, and that so, but there's the thing about Twitter though is that there's multiple discourse happening at once. So you get like the games people talking about the same things that games people have been talking about for the last 15 years, and then you get politics. Which it can range from like really upsetting news to like actual like good leftist discussion to like Russian bots and start trying to start it like a second cold war. And it's yeah. just like fucking stop. We just Everybody... want you to know you like to tweet that a Russian bot. Oh, the fucking like shit is the worst. It's so bad. Yeah. Oh my god. Especially when you like unfollow somebody, but then with someone else you follow who likes their tweets, so you just see their tweets on your feed anyway. Oh my yes. god. Oh. It's like maybe I would follow them if I wanted to see this. Yeah, yeah uh, that was a big reason I stopped using the the default Twitter app was I was like, I don't care what any of my friends like. J- Jen's Jen's on that tweetbot shit. <laughs> yeah, tweetbot <laughs> is so good. No ads. I'm sorry, I don't want this to be a plug for fucking tweetbot. But like, I to be honest, if it didn't have, if it had group DMs, I'd be on board. But it yeah, doesn't. it yeah, it's it's honestly, I mean, coincidentally, it's made me use Discord more. Right. Is <laughs> because I never it doesn't have group DMs. Um, it has a, it and it doesn't have polls either, but that's not a big deal. Fucking, uh, who cares? It, but it's just it's like much more. It's easier for me. I don't have to care about the like what you missed shit. I can just read all of it. It doesn't yeah. like weirdly excise tweets or like resurface stuff that I've already seen. Yeah. Um, yeah. I know their dex their desktop website will like recommend you follow people that you already follow or like yeah. shit like that. Like all their algorithms by default are just terrible. And, you know, it's awful because every single time I get those, like, in case you missed it, blah, 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 here's the I've seen it. I keep, well, I click the X and I'm like, show me less of this. Stop. (laughs) And it doesn't change anything. I still get it every single day. The only thing I, like, don't get anymore is the, the, like, push notifications where it's like, five people you follow liked this tweet. Oh, I fucking hate that. Yeah. I hate it so much. I get those like once a month, and I'm still like, show me less. 
but it doesn't matter. It still pops up and I'm, stop it. Stop. Yeah, it's like, so it is, it is turning into Facebook in a way that's like making it hard to actually like keep up with your friends. Right. And said it's just like this toxic cycle of just like, here's, here's what you missed. Here's the controversial stuff on your timeline that you missed. And you, you better gotta, look at it. You got to <laughs> dig deep to see like, oh, how, how's, how's John doing these days? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and where we're supposed to move Mastodon? Mastodon sucks. It's it it has some neat features, but no one is using it and because it has certain features like content warnings and things like that, people seem to some of the more problematic behavior in Twitter gets amplified there because they're like, Oh, I can set it to only people following me will see this or only I'll put a warning in front of this and then they use that to say something awful or remove boundaries entirely. And that can be pretty frustrating. Right. Like using that platform, like the opposite of the way that it's intended to just makes it a worthless platform ultimately. Totally. For the average person. Yeah, I agree. Um, It's, I mean, we're talking about, we're talking a lot about like algorithms and like media strategies and it's like this company's, uh, it's unfortunate that we have to use these websites to communicate with our friends. Right. Because um, I really like checking Twitter at two in the morning and being like, oh, or like six in the morning. And it's like, oh, Jen's up talking to him about tweeting about robots. I, <laughs> I, I legitimately get a joy out of being like, oh, what are people like up to at these weird hours of the day on these tweets that are going to get like zero engagement, zero interactions. But I like want to see like these are these. It, it reminds me like I'm looking at humans. These are my friends, like real human friends. Whereas yeah, all the stuff that blows up is like I don't want I don't want to touch that. That's a conversation topic. I don't want that. Yeah, and it's like I really wish I really wish we can sort of just construct our own spaces. I mean, that's why. And I mean, I don't I can't speak to Discord as a company necessarily. <laughs> they seem to like memes a lot. Yeah. Um, but, you know, being on the Admiral Mapping Discord and other, like, Discord communities has helped a lot because it's just people talking to each other instead of, like, the, uh, here's what you missed. Like, you still miss stuff when you're on Discord and you have to go check it. You don't have to, but, like, you know. And right. it, but it's But it's like, okay, uh, you know, I get on Discord and it's like, okay, instead of, like, Here's somebody quote retweeting Ian Miles Chung for the oh, billion, no. for the fucking billionth time. It's like, oh, uh, this it looks like Cat is gonna play Puyo Puyo Tetris again. Maybe I should get in on it. You know, it's oh, such yeah. a more peaceful vibe yeah. than Twitter, and I prefer it more. But you know, but that doesn't replace like the the need to sort of restructure how we communicate and you know part of me wants to get a bunch of you know bunch of leftists in the room and be like all right let's build our own thing let's build our own stuff that isn't run by corporations and we could just like all communicate with you with each other it ain't gonna be perfect but it'll be better than fucking twitter uh but and like until there is like the will and the money to make that happen it's not gonna happen so discord it is i think part of the reason for that is because like what we were talking about earlier when you're just like 
having a live conversation with somebody, there's much less of that constructed aspect to it because when you have a Twitter profile, it's, you know, you curate the image you want to be seen as, at least in some in some way. Whereas, like, if you're just having a discussion with a group of people on Discord, there's probably not as much thought going into how you're going to make a, like, if you're just replying to somebody, it's not the same as making a post. And so that might be, at least to me, why it feels a little bit better. Um, mm. But I don't know. Social media is hard. Yeah. I and think also, I yeah, go ahead, Al. I think a big part of it is is just you have to curate your feed and just like just follow the people that you care about and not the people that you're like interested in or you're like oh sometimes this person like once in a blue moon says something interesting and like cure, like get it as tight down to as small of a group as you can and then you end up like something like the Admiral Mapping Discord where it's just people being like hey what what's the what's the ideal way to play The Witcher three keyboard or, or controller and then people are just talking about control methods in the Discord like that stuff ends up being much more intimate and interesting and people are talking to each other and addressing each other by name and like healthy ways because it isn't like nobody's like trying to blow up or like pull big numbers mm -hmm. the closest thing discord has to that is like the emoji reactions but like no one uses those seriously no yeah exactly <laughs> well if they do it's like eggplant emoji it's like it's like oh m sounds like a fucking klingon in this comment i'm gonna put the klingon emoji right <laughs> like right uh I forget what it is. Oh, no, I, I was just going to real briefly mention also, um, I was sitting in my physics lecture recently, and there was a girl in front of me who was on Discord on her laptop, and y'all, she was using Discord the way we use Twitter. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was, like, just like <laughs> fucking hundreds of feeds lighting up at once. It was like looking at the Matrix, like <laughs> 10 different chat colors and, like, 50 moderators. and It was unbelievable. Oh, I was like, where... Know? I am Wait, part of a you? few communities like that. Everybody always, like, whenever they look over my shoulder on my computer, they're like, you're part of so many different channels. And some of them are really <laughs> big. So I, I can relate. Yeah. yeah. It's terrifying. I don't know how any conversation happens in there. Bum, ba da bum, no. twitter.com. <laughs> like, big discords, too. Like, I don't know how anybody has time to join, like, a big server with a a bunch of different channels on it and like not feel totally anxious to just shut down because uh, <laughs> that's, ex that's exactly yeah yeah muting is good but i whenever i'm confronted with a big discord uh i just like i just don't engage because i'm not gonna be able to keep up with everything and why why am i even on the server at that point yeah I'm one of those lurker people, so yeah, no, I just I get it. read, 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 and I don't really respond at all or anything. Yeah. But I'll be like, "Hey, Eli, look at this comment somebody said. Isn't yep. this ridiculous? <laughs> wow!" But I'm not gonna respond. <laughs> Social media is it good? Question mark Is it bad? <laughs> Actually. Dave yeah. Eggers tackles all of this and more in oh his big book. <laughs> Emma Watson is the circle. <laughs> uh, it's just that drool tweet where it's like, there's zero difference between good or bad things. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <sighs> but, yeah. 
Is there anything else anybody wants to add before we move on to the circle? I think here here is my here are my final thoughts. Okay. I, I think that social media inherently is not bad, but I feel like a lot of the capitalistic aspects of it can definitely yep. ruin it. And I feel like those are the aspects that drive us to feel poorly about ourselves in relation to social media, as well as like uh, preying on anxieties and other insecurities and stuff like that. Um, because like we feel like we have to be the best, we have to be like the most pure, I guess. Like we can't be problematic, you can't say anything bad, you can't post anything bad. And, and if you and if you do, somebody's gonna quote retweet you. Yep. <laughs> or screen cap it and, and soft block you and make a whole thing out of it. Yeah. <sighs> yeah. No, capitalism has ruined social media. It's bad. Uh, the laissez-faire attitude of like we're gonna we're gonna protect the free speech of the Nazis, but also right. You know, but also ban leftists for no reason yeah if this person tells a nazi hey shut up and then they don't have an account anymore that's chill yeah super good and chill banned for saying hey shut up exactly (laughs) but uh i think that's it alan did you have any final thoughts the wise man bowed his head solemnly and spoke there's actually zero difference between good and bad things you imbecile you fucking moron (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, it's true any, any final thoughts yeah I hate the way that pressures from freelancing and all these other things trying to make something out of myself as through the combination of capitalism turned me into a online product of sorts and I'm hoping to find a way in the future to step away from that and be more authentic and also just not rely on it as much hopefully like if maybe if i get a position actually writing somewhere instead of my full-time job or i just if i'm just in contact with people some other way besides twitter that'll be fixed but we'll see and i think people should uh seek out communities both outside of social media and also in real life because that shit is really useful and I think it's unhealthy to solely get all of your validation from Twitter because at a certain point, the social media companies know that the notifications make you feel good in the brain and they exploit that to the best of their abilities and that's bad for everybody. And with that, uh, actually, Jen, you want to plug your stuff before we get out of here? Yeah, for sure. I'm at JBU3 on Twitter. Um I'm also on Novel Not New, a true end podcast. I host that on the Abnormal Mapping Network with 6 and M, and we talk about one visual novel every month. And, uh, and y'all just recorded the Valhalla cast. Yeah, that... <laughs> I... <laughs> I tried not to I... giggle. I... I should say one thing regarding that... Kind it'll of probably time. be it'll probably be out by this is going to be out later than that. Somebody died. Oh, I know. Just just a general point <laughs> in um, in regards to social media stuff. If you take if you see that someone likes a problematic thing, 
don't decide that that person is terrible because they like a problematic thing. That is really irresponsible. That is really terrible. And I think all of us at some point really like something that has problematic elements. But to claim that someone is a bad person because they like this one piece of media is beyond the pale. Don't do that. Remember the Portlandia episode of Fireside Friends, right? Oh, good lord. (laughs) (laughs) Well, don't you know, you can't... Number one, you can't be critical of things you like. Number two... Uh, I I can't be trans and at a Portlandia phase. It's not possible. Exactly. Thank you, Ryan. (laughs) (laughs) Are you going to retweet that for me? Yeah. Okay. (laughs) But also... Okay, I just died a little bit there. I think I think the universe is trying to tell me to stop. Um, <laughs> yeah, you if you like something bad, you are bad. So yeah, just math. Exactly. <laughs> this is real quick math. <laughs> I love Ryan. <laughs> so uh, I witnessed I witnessed the Valhalla recording, and it made me like. Not want, but it made me thought about an uh, Aaron Sorkin show where someone records a podcast in their apartment. It was just like people like monologuing to their computer, and it's just like, actually, the fucking game is fucking amazing. What are you talking about? <laughs> Full I disclosure, like, I never said that. <laughs> I know. I was just thinking about it. Yeah, I guess to end the plug stuff, I'm. I also write a lot on scanline media with six and we have a patreon on patreon.com slash scanline media which allows us to do podcasts like oops all anime and things like that thanks for coming on we're recording this in your apartment so (laughs) i don't know it's a weird thing to say but thanks for coming on and uh with that we will be back with our segment on the discussion about The Circle, the movie, starring Emma Watson and John Boyega and Tom Hanks? Yeah. Yes. We will be back. This podcast is being hosted on the Abnormal Mapping Podcast Network. Visit abnormalmapping.com and check out our other shows, including Abnormal Mapping. Been a long time. Good episode 69. Some would say it's fun. Second Officer Slog. It's peak Star Trek. Star Trek. The Amory score. Hey, Claudio, stop. I don't want to think about this, Claudio. Novel not new. How many endings are we looking at for this one? I I think there are one ending. Okay, so I think we'll probably be able to see all of them each. Yeah, no, I think so. (laughs) And Fireside Friends. 37 is the age of the fictional character that I just made up. Oh, what's their backstory? They're 37. Oh, man. If you like what you hear, back us on Patreon at patreon.com slash abnormalmapping. There, you can gain access to exclusive essays and listen to our backer-exclusive podcast, The Great Gundam Project. Where me and Jackson watch every Gundam show ever made. Admiral Mapping, a podcast network for the rest of us.
Welcome back to Fireside Friends. We are here to discuss the 26, 2017 film, excuse me, 2017 film The Circle, directed by James Ponsolt uh, and written by James Ponsolt and Dave Edgers. Uh, just to summarize the film, uh, the film centers around May Holland. Uh, who is played by Emma Watson. She gets a job at a fancy tech company, The Circle, uh, and starts working there. Uh, she works at like a customer support line and then is introduced to like the company culture, which is basically just like share your information to everybody um, and like participate in social media and all this stuff. Um, and she is sort of split between two lives, the life of the social media life and the life of being offline um, and having privacy. One night while she wants to take a boat to, you know, go out to sea for a bit, she gets into an incident. She almost dies, uh, except the circle cameras save her because they have surveillance cameras everywhere. Um, so that saves her life. She, from then on, wears a streaming camera for the rest of her life, uh, except for when she's in the bathroom, etc. Um, and so she wears that everywhere. She gradually gets uh, distance from her loved ones as a result of assimilating into this culture. Um and then as there's some other stuff happens, she meets she meets this uh, guy who used to be uh, she like one of the founders who is like undercover now and all this stuff. Um, and then one day they release or they try out a new product which tracks people. They use their cameras and phones to track down people, and one of them is. Uh, what's, what's the guy's name? What's, what's the name? Oh. Which one? The, the one in the truck who doesn't want to be Mercer. online. Mercer. Mercer. Thank you. Uh, Mercer. They try to track down Mercer, uh, and they, he gets in a truck and drives away and tries to escape. Uh, a circle drone flies at his truck and he swerves off a bridge and dies. Um, and then from there, May makes the decision to make all of the circle transparent by uh, forcing the CEOs to wear cameras uh, and be fully transparent, etc. Thus making everybody transparent, thus closing the circle. Uh, and I, oh. of, of course I missed out on some details, but that is the general overview of the movie. Uh, what do y'all think of this? Uh, I'll start with Alan. Alan, you were texting me the whole time. Uh, you, <laughs> you seem to be enjoying it, but I don't know. It's fun. It's inter- it's entertaining as hell. Yeah. Uh, I thought this movie was it was a good time. It's it's like really tight. I mean, it's it's like a brisk hour forty nine. You're in and then you're out of the circle very quickly. Yeah. Uh, which I appreciate because I feel like, especially as a book adaptation, it could have gone on just like with way too much nonsense, but. Mm. All of the scenes that they kept in were, like, pretty useful and good for, like, character building. Um, I'm surprised this movie didn't get any attention. It's, like, 
it's a I described it to you over text as a long Black Mirror episode. It's yeah. kind of like it's like check out all this cool technology. It's all like a year or two from just being in the hands of the common people in our world. Five minutes later, oh god, all of it's terrible. Oh no, we're being surveyed. This is bad. And then it kind of shits. But what I like about it, and the reason I thought the back half worked, is it doesn't become like a thriller where it's about like her smashing the police state or like breaking the circle out down from the inside. Or it kind of is that, but it doesn't feel like I don't know, it didn't feel that unrealistic the way that she dismantled it. It, almost, it, it like, made sense, the, the progression, instead of just being like, all right, suddenly now we have to fight the evil corporation. Mm-hmm. So, and I thought it was smart. And it, it obviously, it, it like, wears its um, references to real life on its sleeve, which I'm sure the book does also. But, right. like, I don't know. It is that. It is exactly what it, it, what it seeks to be. It's a movie that is criticizing the way that we um, give away so much of our information and our, ourselves uh, to like social media and stuff. Uh, Katie, what did you think of the circle? Um, I, okay. So during the entire movie, I was like, okay, well, I don't know if the script is bad or if it's like bad acting, but it still feels <laughs> a little, uh, fake, I guess. Like it's a little uncomfortable to watch, but I mean, other than that, I thought it was fine up until it hit the ending. I was like, the ending being where she, you know, exposes the CEOs. I was like, what is this movie trying to say, actually? Because I feel like nothing is different. Yeah. Is surveillance bad? Is surveillance a necessary evil? Is surveillance good? Like, I don't understand the message that the movie was trying to portray just because of the ending. Because, And then also, I think that the fact um, that it didn't show her i guess like orchestrating what she wanted to do with ty like at all yeah um <laughs> i don't know i felt it was just like hey i met this girl i guess i trust you come underground look at all this it's evil by the way it's bad i regret everything and then they never speak to each other again mm-hmm. and then she's just like oh by the way i'm going to expose everybody with your help and i'm just like where where did this come from? What are you trying to say? What exactly are you trying to accomplish? Because I don't know. I still don't know. I've tried to <laughs> to think about it, and I have no conclusions. So that's where we are. Okay. Um. So I, I read an interview with Dave Eggers who said that The Circle, both the book and the movie, is generally about power and using technology using like having yielding your powers through technology to abuse power and stuff like that so it's very wishy-washy in terms of like is surveillance bad is it good etc um i feel like it doesn't commit one way or the other um yeah me neither because yeah in terms of its message yeah it doesn't really it, like a hard stance. It does, yeah, it doesn't commit. It shows you a bunch of... And the book sort of has this problem, too. It shows you a bunch of things that you're supposed to go, oh, this is bad. This is obviously bad. But then it doesn't come up with any solutions to it. The book solves this problem by having the ending be different. Um, 
Okay. Oh. And so it's a little more defined in that way. But for this, I felt like they went for a more more hopeful ending and sort of lost something in like it's a very like a milk toast sort of thing where it's like I'm gonna ex- I'm gonna make the CEOs transparent. But then have every other citizen be transparent too, and now there's just drones everywhere. Uh, <laughs> so it doesn't really, it, like you said, it doesn't really change anything. And right, I, I could see where they were going with it to an extent, but also, uh, especially with like the last shot with like all the drones and the news feed screens everywhere. Like I. Uh, they fumbled that ending a lot and I I didn't I didn't yeah I also wasn't 100% sure what they were going for other than the CEO should be open as well as politicians etc but then what does that mean for everyday citizens and why is there why is there just a drone watching May in the ocean (laughs) exactly because I think the the point is that like private citizens you know the regular public doesn't want to be surveyed so how does it change anything if you out the CEOs and then everybody is still being surveyed anyway? Like, mm-hmm. I, I guess that that is lost on me. I, the thing is, it's weird because the ending is a little bit ambiguous or, or kind of not, like you said, not really taking a stance. But the movie is not subtle <laughs> in any of its scenes. Nope. Like, it's very, like, you can tell that it's adapted from a book because a lot of it is like people telling each other exposition mm-hmm. through dialogue mm-hmm. in terms of like you it's it at first it seems subtle like oh what's her father's condition and then you have multiple scenes where people are like oh how's your how's your father's um cf going How, oh i noticed your father has cf like just telling the viewer and telling uh, may like things that are true because they aren't obvious enough already uh, or they're not important enough. They're just like giving you exposition and like explanation for stuff. Like how many scenes in this movie are there where people are like, oh, this thing is filming this and it's filming it this whole time. And the audio is there and the video quality uh, is all there. Like I just really want to explain to you like this technology is this is how it works. And here we're going to explain it to you. Uh, and I feel like that occupies like a huge amount of the film's runtime. It just ends up being a lot of like a TED talk. explaining to me. Yeah, well, yeah, there's more, <laughs> more than one scene. In fact, the final scene of the movie is one of those where it's like a TED Talk or like an Apple press conference where they're like, uh, imagine blank. Uh, now, imagine instead blank. And then everyone <laughs> gasps and then 10 people clap and then they throw a beanbag or something, throw a camera into the crowd. Yep. It uses the language of the stuff it's like kind of making fun of uh, to tell the story, which sometimes works and sometimes feels really... Uh, silly. Yeah. Uh, just to clarify, May's father has MS, uh, multiple cirrhosis. Sorry. See, yeah, I, I was thinking, I was thinking of cystic fibrosis, not MS. Yeah, you're right. Um, I also bring that up because this movie is hella ableist as well. Uh huh. Because yeah. this, because the CEO's like is the the CEO who's on stage often. And is laughed at by employees as if he was a fucking comedian, even though he's telling the most like basic professor jokes. Um, right. Talks about how his son is in a wheelchair, and he can't. <laughs> he can't live his life. He can't go it's anywhere. Like, okay. He can't go anywhere. That's why he needs everybody to post about their lives so his son can experience things. It's like fuck off, dude. Yeah. <laughs> it's like 
Okay. Did your son say that, or are you saying that because you feel bad because he's in a wheelchair? Right. You know? Why not just have your son talk? Like inst- instead of being like, "Oh, my son's depressed because he can't live his full life because of selfish people like you who don't post about their shit online." Yeah. Like she calls yeah. herself selfish, and he's like, "Yeah, I mean, yeah, you're like, yeah, I would say that." Yeah, it you know sucks. where you almost drowned and died. You should have shared those moments with all of us. <laughs> and my and my son specifically. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Here's my son's handle. Please at him. No, it's the way that Tom Hanks' character and Patton Oswalt's characters are villains is really good because they're not like cackling evil villains. They're just terrible. They have no empathy and no sense of the way the real world works. Mm-hmm. Like they're so happy when uh, May gets the camera and they start letting her in on the sort of like shareholder meetings. And she says, like, oh, what if... And this is, like, one of my favorite scenes because of how ridiculous it is. She's like, what if everybody had to vote? But then, no more tyrants. We did it. Yeah. (laughs) Which, they go back and forth on this for a bit. And, like, one of the points is, like, well, why doesn't the government do this? And it's like, well, they don't have the infrastructure to. And, like, that's not the reason. That's literally not the reason. They talk about, like... not why they don't do it. No more voter suppression. And they talk about that. But then it's like, that's why the government doesn't want this. What, exactly. are you ta- what are you talking about? That's the reason. And That was okay. really weird. I, I do have a question, I guess. I don't know if it was different in the book, but I felt like Annie's character was a little off because at the beginning she seems like so into the circle and she's like introducing May to all these different aspects of the circle and yeah. doesn't seem to be weirded out by like swallowing the censor or whatever that may was clearly uncomfortable with and then she kind of 180s to where she's fighting with may in the conference room oh like walks out and says this is bs and stuff i just Uh, i don't get where her her opinion changed i guess i think the implication there and her arc is a bit different in the book as well but i think the implication there is that she gets jealous of may's fame um and then and then starts overworking herself um and where that goes is different uh depending on the movie and the book in the movie she takes a vacation she i think she just leaves the circle at a certain point yeah because she overworks herself and we could talk about more we can go more in depth in the book later but she just ends up in a fucking coma in the book (laughs) oh my god the book would the book end with her in a coma literally so okay yeah well bit, that's a definitely different. a different direction yeah the the way they handled annie is so over the top it's, it's so it, it, ridiculous i love it so much it's so oh dumb. my god they're like she's she's like beautiful <laughs> she's super smart she worked with everybody five minutes later wait where's annie been she comes back she's now in a gray sweater yeah her face is ghost white her hair is her a mess oily. i love her it. hair is oily i love it it's so dumb and I'm like that. I was like, that's just the way. That's like a regular look. She's just not wearing makeup, and now it's supposed to be like she's depressed and her she yeah. hasn't slept in three days. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, thanks for saying I look like a mess. It's like I don't know. I kind of look like that every day. So. Yeah, that's like my standard. <laughs> Fuck off. Yeah. She's like, at, at, like right at the end, she's like, I was like on uh, caffeine and speed, and I'm like, you were doing, <laughs> you were doing drugs, and now you look normal. <laughs> I love unbelievable. I also love the first scene where that happens, where May is on stage, uh, and she's watching, and like May says some dumb joke, and she just like looks up and is like, 
She's a natural. Yep. <laughs> Karen Gillan brings it. It in this is movie. ridiculous. It's great. I believe that's the same scene where, speaking of like weird, um, like ways people are framed and stuff. John Boyoga's character is in the background, I think, in that scene. Yep. Uh, and he's like clearly not there. They they like superimposed him onto the oh, crowd. He lo- yes. He I looks could, photoshopped. I could totally tell whenever like the green screen thing was going on because they the people had like a halo effect around their yeah. entire body, and I was like, I can. This is very obvious. I can see that they're not really a part of this scene here. I don't know. I felt like it was kind of jarring. It definitely ruined my suspense of disbelief. Yeah. Well, because you're like, maybe it's a cinematic technique where it's supposed to be like, oh, she's only focused on him. But like, no, it just looks like he's sitting on a bench in front of a green no, screen. He's supposed to be there. Yeah. And he's supposed to be there. It's not <laughs> like he... he's also supposed to be in hiding. So I don't know. So now why does yeah. he have a glow on him? <laughs> why it's is supposed to why be like is... that first scene from the newsroom? Why is he in this crowd with full of all? You think someone would be like sitting next to him and be like, hey, aren't you that guy? <laughs> Aren't you the guy who invented all of it? Like, why does nobody know what he fucking looks like? I know. And then, and then, what about the Tom Hanks's character presenting on stage? Is he not going to happen to look up and see, you know, yeah. Ty sitting over there? I don't know. Yeah, they do nothing. <laughs> John Boyega's John Boyega, character. John Boyega's character is a key part in the book, and they, he's just a background character here. It's really yeah. weird. I I. He's a plot. Know. He's a plot device. He's a hundred percent a plot device. Exactly. Part of my excitement for this movie was because John Boyega was in it, but he barely exists. And <laughs> they spend I just more time. Expected more. The the I mean the most like scenage scene time he gets is when he takes her into like the secret train station with all of the computers. Yeah. Which is another like cool looking scene, which and is... he has like good dialogue there. Yeah. Yeah. Also, but, also straight from the book as well. Oh yeah, that that's a scene that doesn't make a lot of sense too, because it's just like she just met this guy and she's like following him through like three miles of like underground bunker shit. She <laughs> like, even comments on it though. She is. She's like, oh, this is exactly how I want to spend my day. It's just like being led. Uh, I love being led down creepy hallways by strange men. And then she just keeps doing it. Yeah. <laughs> she doesn't not do it. Yeah. But I, uh, what I don't get is, like, why this, why he decided to trust her after meeting her twice. It was like, because, I just... Because she's the least cynical person he's ever met. Yeah, but it's this huge secret that he's like, I hate this company. And she's just this random girl. I don't know. I think that she... And this... Granted, I'm able to answer these questions because I also read the book. Which is, I probably says a lot. Um, yeah. About the quality of this movie. Which I still liked, but uh, I think the implication is that he sees her at first, like having trouble grappling with the environment and needing privacy and stuff like that. And so I think, yeah, he kind of grappled with that and was like, "Okay, you're you are new enough to where you could believe what I'm saying to you," but yeah. then, but then that go- sort of goes into an opposite direction. Uh, as the movie goes on, which yeah. is also true to the book. But, but okay, okay. That being said, why did he like 
answer the phone with her and talk with her on the phone after okay, she that, made that, things that, like that, sh- that shit didn't make any way sense. Worse that shit didn't make because, any sense. That shit didn't make like, any sense. Which one are you? What are you talking about? Well, at the end, when May calls him, why? How does he have? How does she have his number? One. Yeah. Two. He's supposed to be in hiding. <laughs> Yeah, He's just gonna like they could very well phone. be listening in on the phone call yeah. with all the surveillance stuff. And then also, like, why would he answer? Because she she made everything, like, way worse. She went in the complete opposite direction that he wanted yeah. it to go in. Right. So She was told the whole conspiracy and then goes against it before realizing, oh, no, I've really made everything worse. Now I need to right. use the information I know. Yeah, exactly. And it's like, and then when, because John Boyega's thing is that, John Boyega, this character has no name. John Boyega's thing is like, <laughs> I want to bring the whole thing down. And May is like, May's the neoliberal, just like, we can change it. Oh, from no. The, we <laughs> fix can, the system from the inside. Change it from the inside. And then she goes and does that, and John Boyega helps. But it doesn't change any, he doesn't reach any of his goals. He's just there. <laughs> Yeah, and it's you don't really even like weird. see him at the end. Nope. He he doesn't get to he's, enjoy the he's, fruits of his he's labors. Like, he's like, yo, maid, the stuff you told me to find was fucking crazy. He's like, dude, you've been working on this for God knows how long. Why didn't you just do this yourself? Who knows? <laughs> that. Why did you need an in if you were the person who made it? Yeah, it was uh... really weird. A lot of really confusing moments like that. Um, um, I was gonna really briefly bring up Boyhood, Mister Boyhood, uh, uh, as in Mercer, the guy who I call him Mister Boy because oh, he's the guy, he's the Boyhood oh, boy. Yeah, he's oh, okay. the Boyhood boy. Okay, I didn't, I didn't <laughs> which is know kind that. of fun because the my favorite thing about Eller Coltrane is that because I don't know if this is literally because he was in that movie. But he has grown up to look more and more like Ethan Hawke, who plays his dad in that. <laughs> so he just spent over a decade with Ethan Hawke, and now he looks like him, um, which is super funny. It's just he's the country boy. He works. He makes things. He's an old-fashioned, kind of conservative, off-the-grid, nice boy. Uh, and then he makes a lamp, or the chandelier, I should say, um, yes. that May likes and takes a picture of and then shares it on social media. And he and gets he- death threats. And then he storms into the circle, asks for May, and it's like, yo, I've been getting death threats, May. Death threats. Yeah. And he talks about how it's ruining his life, even though he's not he's not supposed to be on social media, so I don't know how he saw it, but like He said he yeah. like randomly checked his email and then he was getting death threats. May. There's yeah. they, say, they say I'm killing deer. Like yeah, I mean, and then well, okay. and then as as they're arguing, people are taking their fucking phones out and filming them, even though like after like maybe th- two or three people are recording it, I'm just gonna say maybe you don't need to record it. Maybe maybe that ground's well covered, folks. Yeah, <laughs> maybe this is gonna be on YouTube already. It's already on YouTube Live. Well, they have to get every angle. <laughs> yeah. There's a lot of stuff in this movie that just made me feel really slimy because it felt like weirdly, like some of it feels weirdly relevant. That's why I overall liked it. Yeah. yeah. Amidst all of this really corny nonsense shit, it's just like, um, I think, scene at the end. Oh yeah, where she's talking to Karen Gillan's character on the phone, 
and they're like, oh, it's so nice for you to just be here and we can just have this conversation. Yeah. Uh, and then her parents later are like, oh, you were like up late last night and your lights were still on. Like, is anything okay? And she's like, uh, I have friends online and they they care about me and that's important. Like, that matters to me. And I was like, damn. All right. Yeah. I see. I, I feel seen, the circle. <laughs> Like it, 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 it understands that there are objectively really good things about this technology. Yeah. yeah. And the way that it connects people and the way that it give, gives us an open environment to talk about our problems and be and be like understanding of each other and engender empathy. But at the same time, like we're sacrificing something meaningful by putting ourselves out there so much. Mm-hmm. We got to talk about the, the comments. Oh, <laughs> oh my the gosh. Lord. The stream comments are the my favorite thing. They're Nobody so good. I love has ever touched me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm eating mac and cheese. I'm eating mac and cheese is one of my favorites. <laughs> that basically, yeah. Once May starts uh, live streaming her life, she goes transparent. Uh, we start every time we see scenes of her streaming, uh, we get like fe- the comment feed around her uh, on top, like superimposed over the screen, and they're all just like. Really, really well written in terms of like bad internet comments. Eating cheese uh, from yeah. last year. Yeah, okay. Cheese from last year. <laughs> I actually did like the comments because I was like, this is exactly what you see on like one of those live YouTube videos or on a Twitch stream, which is, you know, like I would watch street corner videos. I know this is really weird and, and how oddly relevant. Um, When I was in like middle school, I would watch like the street camera thing and the comments in those were the exact same as what were in the movie because it's fun it's fun to people watch you know there's fun people coming around and everybody's like red truck red truck red truck so (laughs) you know i mean i thought that was probably one of the most realistic aspects of this movie and i really tried my hardest to read all the comments that i could read like in english you know Mm -hmm. um because I thought that some of them were really funny. So, no I, one at the circle has kids. Yeah. <laughs> I quit social media for two days in honor of Mercer. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're so fucking funny because they're just so accurate. Oh my god! Again, things in this movie that it's like this person, whoever like worked on this, clearly gets it, gets something. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ah, and like the way the UI looks for the whole circle interface is very. It's like Facebook, but red. Yeah. Or just Google's, like, all of the whole Google suite of products except red. Um, mm-hmm. Like, somebody clearly just worked on that stuff. Uh, other scene that felt really, really relevant to me that I wanted to ask you all about, um, the Manhunt stuff, Soul Search. Okay. Oh, God. Yeah. So I'm assuming that's directly out of the book, right? That, yes. That was a lot. That was legitimately scary. Um, I was like, my heart was racing during that because that is not future technology. That's like, people do that. Yeah. Uh, I I specifically remembered the like 2013 Boston Marathon bombing and like being on Twitter and Reddit that evening and people being like, here's this photo. Is this guy in it? Is it this guy? And then like hunting him down based on his Facebook and then like catching the wrong guy and all that obviously like infamously terrible stuff. Mm-hmm. Um. And they're, like, putting a timer on it, and they're, like, gamifying it, and people are cheering it on. Yeah. It's so... It, and the way that it, it escalates, and then it's, like, they catch this woman in in the United Kingdom, and then they're, like, all right, now let's go get Mercer. And she can't stop the crowd uh, 
because it's like a mob mentality thing and she right. just has to watch her uh, friend get fucking hunted and then pat oswalt's in her here being like there's a play in the movie you gotta do it <laughs> man you have to do it do it do the thing do the right thing. <laughs> this is the whole point of soul search may you gotta do it this was the climax she- of the book. It also has to be the climax of the movie. Come on, boys. <laughs> it's an adaptation. <laughs> no, I mean, she even she keeps being like, please be nice. He's just a person. Please, please yeah. be nice. And then these fucking millennials run up to him and they're like, hey, Mercer, <laughs> open your door. We know they you're fucking, in there, Mercer. They fucking suck. They're the worst. They're like, oh, my God, I can't believe it worked. Like They look at the camera like they're in an ad or something. Yeah. <laughs> Let's go, let's go fucking chase after him down this fucking highway. Let's go do it. <laughs> I'm going to send my drone after Mercer. Yeah. Jesus. And then the, the drone and then there's like multiple cars and there's like accidents. It's just fucking insanity instantly. I oh will my say God. it was it was a little nerve wracking because the entire time. I mean, obviously, I had no idea what was going to happen, even with uh, the first lady who was the criminal. I was like, okay, somebody's going to get killed. Like, these people are going to be overzealous and accidentally kill this woman. That's what I thought was going to happen. And I was like, all these people are going to watch someone die on screen. But, I mean, they did, just in a different way. I thought that the whole mob mentality thing was going to take over and end up getting the lady hurt. Or Mm -hmm. that she would end up hurting somebody who was following her. Mm -hmm. Trying to, like, record her. And I was worried about the same thing with Mercer, too. I was like, I hope he doesn't accidentally run someone over who's trying to record him. You know? Yeah. Right. And then someone just, like, slaps a camera onto his side window, and then you just get this, like, crystal clear view of his life. And I'm like, that's a nightmare. Yeah. That's so uh, disturbing. Oh, man. There, I, it, it, it really does. It's just, like, scene to scene. I'm either cackling at how ridiculous this movie is, or I'm like... <laughs> jet like squirming in my seat from how uncomfortable i feel because it's a little bit too real right so because of that i just wish it landed the ending better yeah i i think that's ultimately my gripe with the movie too is because like i in- genuinely enjoyed watching the movie up until the ending because i was like all right that's just what what was the point of the the story then for it to just end this way mm-hmm because I did like it. It feels like it just has to end eventually. Yeah. Speaking of ending, it, it is also just a real shame. Like, uh, this is Bill Paxton's final movie. I know. He's playing a character with MS who's used as, like, a plot point. <laughs> uh, and they're, the parents, like, whole plot doesn't ever get the development it needs. Like, she has a scene where yeah. she's live streaming and then sees Holy them having sex. Holy fuck. Oh, my God. Yep. <laughs> It gets forgotten about like five minutes later, but in the moment, it's like that's wild. Like that, the the comments reacting to it is amazing, and like it's. I know it causes her to like be hesitant about the whole thing, and and I mean, their parents are just like, "Fuck this camera shit." Yeah, they're like, "We turned we turned them off," and she's like, "Oh, uh, now I'm crying." Yeah, guys, it's not working. What's happening? We fucking turned them off. Yeah, (laughs) come on, come on now, put two and two together. I don't. I don't get why she was like, well, "Guys, where are you?" And is like looking through all their cameras, trying to find them because it's like obviously if they're not there, they're not there. Okay. Yeah, because she's addicted to social media. <laughs> it's the only way she knows how to post. Post. Uh, like 
like I liked watching her from the outside being like when she's sitting down at her desk for the first time and she's basically just like a Verizon wireless customer service agent that I've dealt with and she's like how else can I help you today and they're trying to like get her to do surveys and get her score up and there's a popularity ranking right and there's those two social media people that are oh they're so good it's yeah. so slimy also I, the most adopted from a book thing because that scene is so long it's yeah. way too long <laughs> it goes on forever i, like, I didn't Did you do see this, anything this about kayaking <laughs> i kayak you who'd you go with oh myself oh i would have gone with you we could have gone together uh, oh i don't know you <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Your dad has MS? My dad has MS. <laughs> Did you know that we have three different groups here? It's like, <laughs> For oh, people okay. with MS. <laughs> that also felt weird. Uh, again, kind of like something I've heard before. People are like, oh, there was a club for that thing that you care about. Why didn't you go to it? And I'm like, I don't fucking want to. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> don't push this shit on me. Anime. Um, and- <laughs> the, part, the part where... The part that I actually liked too was like how the circle just gets involved with everybody because they put they put uh may's dad on like the circle healthcare plan and like you know if like you do something really wrong to the circle it could just go like that which doesn't yeah. happen which doesn't happen at the end of the movie for some reason <laughs> um but yeah it's that and it's like there's another example ah I can't think of it right now. But it's stuff like that that is just like the circle is impacting people's lives. Like they use the positive to as a justification to do the negative stuff. Like the fact that the camera saved May's life and then she owes her life to the circle basically. Which right. I feel like that is the attitude of corporations nowadays. It's just like they make my life easier and it's okay that they spy on me or whatever. Right, they don't want to hide the fact that they spy on you. They want you to be they want you to be okay with it, which is well, very Well, because true. you feel bad because secrets are lies. <laughs> oh yes. my god, that scene. Oh, secrets are I was, lies. I know I was going to say the politician where she was like, "We I'm going to go full transparent. You can see all my emails." Like, yeah. all right. Sure. I see what you're doing, movie. We get it. I get it. Her Literally. emails. Literally no <laughs> fuck. No corporations like this, but okay, movie. Sure. If you say so. <laughs> Hashtag or emails. Um, God. What else is there? Oh, the so the uh, the. <laughs> there's a scene where May is like going, you know, having conflicting feelings about the circle, and she talks to someone at a party, and this party, this person's like, "Yeah, we're making it so children, you know, don't get abducted, don't get lost, stuff like that." She's like, oh, how are you guys doing that? We install chips in their bone. Yeah. <laughs> and May's just like... Oh, my God. May's just like, doesn't that go a bit too far? She's like, no. I I think it is ridiculous, the, you know, rate at which children get killed. And May's just like, all right, I'm just going to go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's super, super me. <laughs> She's like, I'm just... All right, nice meeting I'm you. Bye. I'm going to grab a drink. Um, It was nice <laughs> meeting you. And goodbye. I'm going to go over here now. That's also literally an episode of Black Mirror of the latest season is where they put a chip in a child and t- so that they won't get lost or kidnapped. And then it goes, spoilers, it goes badly. <laughs> yeah. Like, we've seen this stuff before. We know that this doesn't work. It's, okay. I don't know. 
Yeah. I, I didn't think that, that her saying the thing about the bone was as shocking as May made it out to be because she literally, like, swallowed a sensor for her bracelet to work. So I was like, it's it's just, like, one step removed from that, so. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. And it's supposed to, maybe it's supposed to even, like, recall the idea of, like, vaccinating your kids. Like, we're going to jam a needle full of, like, mysterious drugs into your your newborn child. Isn't that weird? Like, no, please vaccinate your kids. <laughs> <laughs> don't d- don't vaccinate your kids or else they'll end up in the wheelchair oh, <laughs> and then they can only experience life through youtube no oh, oh, damn. Terrible, anyway, terrible, terrible. anyway beck is in this movie yeah beck for some reason <laughs> is that beck that's th- Ryan's at the same thing. <laughs> Ryan was like, "Wait, is that Beck?" I'm like, uh, "Fucking yeah!" Apparently, it's, Beck, it's Beck. Beck. Beck shows up at a party playing at a yep. concert, like a famous song too, and it's the Beck and the all the Beck band. Oh, <laughs> oh! Actually, the weirdest thing. Um, I watched this on my phone on on Amazon Video, and oh whenever I would like tap the screen, it would like show me the actors the who were currently on screen. Yeah, and so it said Beck, but I just thought that was so strange because it was like, you know, in this scene it's just Emma Watson, in this scene it's Tom Hanks and Emma Watson, and I don't know. I was like, this is a little technology has come far, and I'm watching a technology movie, and that's kind of it's a kind of funny thing to realize that we have close to technology, not so far future, I guess. Right. It's all it's all right around the corner. I mean it's here. I mean A lot of it is, yeah. Yeah. How many, how many people have Alexas in their home? Me, we have two. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Uh I like all the dumb names they come up with their products, like Sea Change. Yeah. Sea Change killed me. <laughs> Soul search. Soul Search. Soul Search is especially creepy because it it what it's done what it does versus what it says is so we're finding people's souls. Yeah. It's it sounds like oh Soul Search and it's like no we're gonna hunt people down. Yeah, that's <laughs> who don't have our fucking is. app yet. Also, this is just child of like uh, technology illiterate parents, but they have this whole thing about like. We are going to get literally every living human being signed up for the circle. And I'm just, like, imagining my parents. Like, I don't know how to email. <laughs> What's my password? Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't do that. There's a level of, like, tech literacy. Hopefully, they, they their idea is they made it easy enough that anyone can do it. But well, in our like, day and age. Had Mom, agents go door to door and help them set up their accounts or something. Mom, it's okay. Just drink this green shit. I'll be fine. Yeah, yeah, just drink all of it if you can. Yeah, would any of our parents drink the green shit? And fucking no. No. <laughs> no? <laughs> can't believe she just drinks it. That doctor is so weird and, like, immediately sketchy. I know. She's like, here, have this bracelet. Chink. It's going to feel warm. I'd love to collect data on your dad. <laughs> yeah. Like, bring your dad in. Not, you this... know, help him or anything, but collect data on him. He's just such an interesting subject. Anyways, this, this bracelet's going to feel really warm for a while, and then you're going to meld with it. <laughs> are you kidding me <laughs> you're eventually gonna stop feeling the weirdness yeah but she just accepts it too though she's like all right cool cool my dad can get health care sweet yeah 
I would have been really like legitimately offended if they like cured him somehow. Ah, uh, what are they can't do that. Yeah, that's exactly where I was like, <laughs> this is the line. I yeah. found the line. If they cross the line, this movie's fucking out. <laughs> they're talking about like we could. I mean, maybe in like the future of the film, they're implying that, but they they don't like show it in here, which is smart. Ah, mm-hmm. uh, it's a ridiculous movie. Uh, I have. I've. So, I'm just gonna go through my notes. Oh okay. please. Um, the interview. So this interview scene isn't in the book, but she gets interviewed when she gets the job, and one of the one of the questions is like Paul or John, and she goes early Paul, late John, Mario or Sonic, early Sonic, late Sonic Mario. Wrong. <laughs> Incorrect. I just like the idea of someone calling like a Mario game late Mario. Yeah. Well, I assume that's like Super Mario, Mario yeah, Odyssey, but yeah, there which, is no ethical consumption which, under late Mario. Yes. Oh my lord! Which also isn't true because Mario Odyssey is trash. Anyway, oh! he also acts GIF or Jeff. Which yeah, and she's, she's like, like "There's too course. much at stake." <laughs> It's too it's it's too controversial of a question. But yeah. but him asking her on a date and her saying that's inappropriate didn't have a lot of sense. Why did he do that? It makes no sense. I don't to make know. sure she knows the boundaries. I guess. But that's also he shouldn't be asking that in that case. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know. Um notes on the like speeches that the CEO gives at one point he like runs through all of the technology that's been invented and then he says the internet and the crowd cheers (laughs) (laughs) they're so fed into his bullshit yeah the internet (laughs) hell yeah love me the web uh he called he calls the audience members circlers and guppies are the new people who just started working guppies are the yeah circlers though circlers um immediately within the first like 20 minutes of the movie uh he uses the surveillance cameras to be like imagine the civil rights implications of spying on people you could watch the the exact opposite direction i would have gone with that logic you you could watch the government and it's like you could also fucking dox people like homie (laughs) that's literally what you're doing here dog yeah um, Put that technology in the wrong hands, it gets twice as ten times worse. Tyrant or terrorist can no longer hide, is what he says. Well, I uh, mean, it's it, all, when he said that, I was like, and also people you define as terrorists. Um, yeah, like who who is defi- who's defining these terms? Right. White people. Yeah. Um, uh, there is a comment on one of the things where it says your privilege is showing. Oh fuck! Yep. And one of the things that shows up when they start talking about uh, no more voter suppression and like totalitarian dictators won't exist anymore. Yeah, someone immediately goes, "Your privilege is showing," and you're like, "Yeah." <laughs> Except for that comment yeah. was given no credence. So, oh, you yeah. know what? What True. I think I wrote this down, but we need to talk about it now before I forget. She like stops at a sculpture that she said is made by someone who got arrested in another country. And she says that because of the fact that they got the sculpture or something, they, the government has been getting frowns on, like, the yep. circle service. We've sent them, like, however many million frowns, so we're going to make a difference. What does that do? <laughs> At the White House. 
<laughs> like angry what? react. I did not understand that at all. I did not understand that. Like, and it's just so vague too. It's like a sculpture with like handcuffs, like out. Like it's, you know, it's. Elevated, it is yeah. very. It's very like a prison abolition sort of symbol symbolism stuff. But yeah. the way they describe it is very vague. It was just like, yeah, I don't know. He's in a lot of trouble in this other country. We've been sending him frowns. Yeah. I don't know. Whatever. It's like. They what? like didn't give him a name. They didn't credit the artist, and then they—they're just like, know. "Wow, she has an art history degree." Wow, yeah. <laughs> it literally yeah. becomes about her being smart. That was yeah. so weird. But I—I I think they were just trying to poke fun of the social media activism thing, like slacktivism. Yeah, that keyboard yeah. warriors sending I frowny guess. faces isn't going to make a difference. I guess, but it seems so earnest in like. She was like, yeah, we're sending them frowny faces. It's not a totally, it's going to impact their government. Like, no, what? What? <laughs> what? I mean, maybe it will if the circle is such, such a huge yeah. part of society in that world. Right. I have no idea. A lot but, of this movie's themes hinge on whether or not they're being earnest or not. Yeah. Or if they're making fun of the thing that they're doing. That's a good point. Uh, I wrote down that this movie soundtrack sounds like a music on a waypoint stream. <laughs> oh. See, it reminded me of like Portal. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's just like modern OS, like startup or like running noise, like technology right. music. Beep, 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 beep. Beep, beep, bloops, electronic, like quiet electronic music. Right. Which is kind of good. Some of it's really good. Yeah, I was like, I could jam to this. Yeah. You know, in the background, this actually isn't so bad. That was one of the comments I wanted to make was that I actually did enjoy the soundtrack. <laughs> what uh, else you got, Ryan? Let's see. Uh, see, your son is wheelchair bound, has cerebral palsy, can't go kayaking. That kind of that old thing kind of reminds me of the Twin Peaks thing where. The person who plays uh, one of the people who's arrested just cries about wanting to go scuba diving. Um, oh yeah, mm, yeah. I just want to go scuba diving. <laughs> uh, to oh, the way May talks to her audience is weird. <laughs> it's sometimes it's, it's very vlogger, and, and I've, wa- I've like my sibling watches a lot of vlogs, and I like know the way that cadence. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. on the nose. I yeah I liked it, but I also like she at some point like she get she wakes up and she's like I need my coffee and it's like fucking yep. sh- stop obviously <laughs> I need my coffee good morning hey, everyone. circle if you like watching this I'm worried about you yeah oh right when she's and then she checks the comments after her parents are caught having sex on camera like what do you think the comments were gonna be May they're not gonna be good. It'd be bad. Well, I mean, some of them, some of them were nice. Some of them were nice, but the ones that were gross were pretty gross. Yeah. Uh, I guess my last note that we didn't already cover was the way that Tom Hanks plays like getting getting fucked over by May. He just like looks at Patton Oswalt and goes, "We're so fucked," and just we're like, so fucked, and just like sips his coffee and just sits down. It's pretty good. I know. I actually, I really, really like Tom Hanks' character in this. I thought he did a good job because he does seem like the approachable, like 
college professor guy you know what i mean yeah i thought he played that part very well because i was like oh you know i could laugh at some of these jokes if i were in like a lecture hall listening right you know they're very self-conscious with him and with oswald's character like these people know that they're being watched right now and they present themselves a certain way like when he, he him like mumbling we're fucked it's like him also realizing people can hear me say this like they don't care that i'm cussing on this stream because yeah. i'm my, my life is already ruined but i can just like be real now <laughs> that's why i like that line a lot and then Patton oswald covers his camera and then hides yep. yeah yeah <laughs> like that'll this work that did it yeah that's so fun um that's all the notes i had it's a yeah. fun movie I mean, yeah, it is It is fun to watch while it's the movie part. I just do not like the ending. Yeah, just trying to think too much about what the film was actually trying to say is a lot. Um, exactly, yeah. That'll break your brain. I also thought it was so awkward how it did, like, the fade to slow-mo thing with her going out the door and then also, like, it turning from video to, like, the voiceover briefly. Right. I thought that was one of the more awkward, like, transitions. Because yeah, it didn't not... have anything like that in the rest of the movie. It's not the most, like, per- it's not exactly very competently made. But there were a couple of production choices that I thought were really good. And there was a couple, like, the John Boyega super, uh, green screen stuff. And, and what you're talking about where I was like, who? <laughs> <laughs> this feels almost, not unfinished, but, like, kind of janky. Yep. Yeah. For sure. Which I like. I appreciate that <laughs> not every movie has to look perfect. Yeah. I thought the sewer scene looked cool. I mean, I, I bet yeah. they picked a, I bet they picked like a clean sewer and just filmed somewhere, probably like Hell a, yeah. somewhere underground. It was like this works. This is pretty. Um, but yeah, yeah. John Boyega also not. We said this before. Not in this movie a lot. I appreciate the fact that May walks up to him and starts flirting with him immediately. Yeah, I know. Instantly. <laughs> and then goes, I didn't ask for his name. I'm like, how? <laughs> how? Uh, that's a good segue into the book, actually. Yes. Um, so I have the book here. I'm in it from my library. So I'm just going to start with so John, John Boyega's character uh, is completely different in the book. Well, his his role is the same in that he is a, a CEO that is somewhat undercover. He is more undercover in the book. Um, he is also... I'm just going to describe the way that Dave Eggers describes this. Okay, one thing, though. Okay. He has a nickname in the book because he is undercover and is going by a different name. And the reveal that he is... Like, one of the founders is, like, one of the last things in the book. It's, like, one of the major reveals. And they blew that okay. instantly in the movie. They were what? just like, They were just like, yo, I'm just the CEO. Like, yeah. this is me. And it's, he doesn't hide it. But in, <laughs> but in the book, it's, like, a huge reveal. Uh, and so in the book, before the ending, he goes by Calden. Um, and then I'm just going to okay. read. I'm just going to read this. Yeah. Okay. He smiled and looked out the he smiled and looked out the window, and with his face turned away, May took him in. His eyes were dark, his face oval, and his hair was gray, almost white, but he couldn't have been older than thirty. He was thin, 
Swiney, and his skinny leg, his skinny jeans and tight long sleeve jersey gave his silhouette the quick, uh, thick, thin brushstrokes of calligraphy. That doesn't sound like John Boyega at all. No, it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it's What's like that? completely recast. Right. Okay. Ryan, um, I think I remember you reading this book. Does it I, have yes. Does it have a scene when they're in the where May is in the bathroom, in the bathroom we'll, stall? We'll get to that. Doing it with a dude. We'll get to what? that. What? Okay. 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 All right. Another called because in scene. Because I think I remember that. Another called in scene, which is also, you know, John Vallega. His eyebrows were like Roman arches. His nose like some small sea creature's delicate snout. <laughs> A small sea creature's delicate snout. Okay. Yes. Uh, Good to know. These are just more descriptions that I just picked so just, up. So just not John Boyega. Um, and then here is May describing to Annie what he looks like. Because remember, he's supposed to be undercover and just hides away. And it's right. not visible. He's not on the social networks. He's not on anything. May tried to describe him, but realized she knew almost nothing. He's thin, brown eyes, tallish. And he says, that's it? Brown eyes and tallish? He's like, oh, wait. He had gray hair. He has gray hair. And they talk okay. about how they, they talk about how he has gray hair, but is under 30, etc. Um... And Annie keeps joking about how he's an old man. Okay. Because um, he, he has gray hair, so he must be an old man. <laughs> Let's see. It's totally not stress. All right. So here's another excerpt. Um, so this book's very bad. And okay. Ways that, the movie is not. So the movie is way better than the book because you do not get a dude trying to write an internal monologue of a female character. Yeah. I can tell in certain scenes where she's just like reacting to stuff where I'm like, if I had her internal monologue right now, this would probably suck. <laughs> this would be terrible. Yes. Um, do you have some examples of that? Yeah, I'm just going to read this. It's a pretty long paragraph, but I'm going to read it. Um, okay. Yeah, well, this is Dave Edgar's writing a, the interiority of a woman, and it does not land at all. So I'm just going to read this. Okay. But wait, but May wasn't concerned. She trusted Calden and couldn't believe he had any nefarious, nefarious intention. Sorry. His face had an openness, an unmistakable lack of gall. Uh, May couldn't quite explain it to Annie. But she had no doubts about him. She knew, though, that he was not reliable as a communicator. But she knew also, she was sure of it, that he would contact her again. And though being unable to reach anyone else in her life would have been grating, exasperating, leaving him out there, at least for a few days, unreachable but presumably somewhere on campus, provided a jolt of welcome frisson to her hours. The week's workload was heavy, but while thinking of Calden, Every query was some glorious aria. Aria? Aria. The customer sang to her and she sang back. What? <laughs> she, she loved them all. She loved Risa Tomlinson in Twin Falls, Idaho. She loved... She loved Mac... She loved Mac <laughs> oh, oh my god. In Gary, Indiana. It's Mac 
Macmore. <laughs> Macmore. Macmore. She, she loved the newbies around her. She loved she loved Jared's occasionally weird visage appearing appearing in the hallway, uh, asking her to see how they could keep their aggregate over ninety eight. And she loved that she'd been able to ignore Francis in this constant contacting of her. Francis is an awkward dude that tries to get it on with May. Uh, he's okay. more he's more of a prominent character in the book. His many videos, his audio greeting card, his playlists, all of them songs of apology and woe. He was a memory now, obliterated by Calden and his elegant silhouette, his strong stretching hands. She loved how she could, alone in the bathroom, stimulate the effect of those hands, could, with her own hand, approximate the pressure he applied to her. But where was he? What had been what? what had been intriguing on Monday and Tuesday was approaching annoying by Wednesday and exasperating by Thursday. His invincibility began to feel intentional and even aggressive. He promised he'd be he'd be in touch, hadn't he? Maybe he hadn't. She thought. What had he said? She searched her memory and realized, with a kind of panic, that all he'd said at the end of the night was good night. But Annie would be coming back on Friday, and together. With even an hour together, they could find him, know his name, lock him in. So it's stuff That's like that. So that fucking okay. weirdly gross. Yeah. It's very, it's very gross. Um, so, okay. This is a Francis scene. I don't know how deep we want to get into. I just wanted to point out the fact that Dave Edgars has a really weird fixation on how people have sex um, <laughs> because this scene that I marked was like a scene. So they're wearing their wristbands and their wristbands check their pulses. And like may is with Francis who he just said a few pages ago was a far off memory, but I don't. Okay. But then uh, she has her, her hand on his lap and she like reaches across his lap and she watches their, both of their pulses go up and then a hand job happens and then okay. they're about to have sex but then he comes early and uh it turned into a thing where he's been recording the whole thing um and it ends with like francis delete this shit and francis was like did you say delete we don't delete at the circle oh i have a way to see it myself <laughs> yeah um so that's a thing Moving on. Just like like embarrassing stuff. Yeah. Right. This is this. an adult man that wrote this. <laughs> All right, I'm just going to read this. Hello? It's me, Calden. Where have you been? It's complicated now. All the cameras. You're not a spy, are you? You know I'm not a spy. Annie thinks you are. I want to see you. I'm in the bathroom. I know. You know? Circle search, sea change, you're not hard to find. And where are you? I'm coming. Stay here. Stay there. No. No. I need to see you. Stay there. No. I can see you later. There's a thing in the New Kingdom. Open mic, open mic, uh, folk night. A safe public place. No, no, I can't do that. You can't come here. I can and I will. And he hung up. <laughs> okay. Wow. Riveting exchange. It's Sorkin. It's basically Sorkin. May checked her purse. She had a condom. And she stayed. 
She chose the far stall and waited. She knew that waiting for him was not wise. Oh my god, this is it! This was wrong on so many levels. She wouldn't be able to tell Annie about this. Annie would approve of the most carnal activity, but not here at work in a bathroom. This would demonstrate poor judgment and reflect poorly on Annie. May watched the time. Two minutes had passed and she was still in the bathroom stall, waiting for a man she only knew vaguely and who, she guessed, wanted only to ravish her repeatedly in ever stranger places. Ah. So, so why was she there? Because she wanted this to happen. She wanted him to take her in the stall and wanted to know that she had been taken in the stall at work and that only the two of them would ever know. Why was this some glittering thing she needed? She heard the door open and then the clicking of the lock on the door, a lock she didn't know existed. Then she heard the sound of Calden's long strides. The footsteps stopped near the stalls, giving way to a dark squeaking, the strain of the bolts and steel. She knew a sh she felt a shadow above her and craned her neck to see a figure descending. Calden climbed the high stall wall and crawled across the grid to get to hers. She felt him slip in behind her, the heat of his body warmed her back, his breath hot up on the nape of her neck. Uh, and then that happens... That is exactly the scene I was talking about. Hell yes. The way I... that the way that he's described in the book, and I made a reference to this in a, a podcast we recorded for the chat's feed, but it sounds like fucking evil Jack from Jack Two. This is fucking <laughs> this fucking gray dude who has like long shit and can climb. Uh, but yeah, that that happens in us in the bathroom, which is embarrassing um it's not written well i'll say that all right here's the parent scene oh uh she the only difference here is that she goes home with her camera instead of seeing it on the live stream i guess oh okay okay she ran up the stairs taking them three at a time and when she reached the top and turned left quickly into their bedroom uh, and saw them. Their eyes turned to her, round and terrified. Her father was sitting on the bed and his mother was kneeling on the floor, his penis in her hand. A small container of moisturizer rested against his leg. In an instant, they all knew the ramifications. That is two hand jobs in this book. Okay. <laughs> and one Why? awkward SL-16. Oh, this is a dumb thing that is not sexual related, so that's good. Okay. Uh, at some point, they take an, an ancestry test, uh, and Annie is not happy with the results. Oh, okay. Is she not? Is she not Scottish? Or wait, what did they find? I thought they were starting in the Middle Ages or something. They are, but even then, it's like both sides of my family are those these black-hearted people. I mean, I didn't even know the British had sla I had Irish slaves, did you? Oh. No, I don't think so. You mean white Irish slaves? Thousands of them. My ancestors were ringleaders or something. They raided Ireland, brought back slaves, sold them all over the world. It's so fucked up. Uh, Annie, I mean, I know they're I know they're sure about this because it's cross-referenced a few uh, thousand ways, but do I look like a descendant of slave owners? Oh my god. I'm dying. <laughs> I mean, probably. Uh, in the book, Mercer writes letters to May. Um, and here's one of them. 
He was just part of one of them. Okay. But I know that even someone were to strike... Oh, this is about how... Uh, it explains itself. Uh, but I know that even if someone were to strike you down, if the circle ended tomorrow, something worse would probably take its place. There are a thousand more wise men out there. Wise men is what he calls the... What the book calls the CEOs, the people who made the circle. There's thousands more wise men out there, people with ever more radical ideas about the criminality of privacy. Every time I think it can't get worse, I see some 19-year-old whose ideas make the circle seem even more like some ACL utopia. Oh my god. Moving on. ACL Utopia, y'all. Yeah. It be like that sometimes. It do. I can't believe they wrote a book like this. (laughs) And it got a movie. And it got a movie! This is uh, Mercer's Accident. After Mercer's Accident. After Mercer's... So Mercer's Accident is pretty much as it is presented in the movie. So there's there's no tangible differences there, but... The way that the book sort of progresses from there is different. So here is May's internal monologue. Uh, The terror was the madness of not knowing, not knowing who Calden was, not knowing Mercer's mind, Annie's mind, her plans. Mercer would have been savable, would have been saved if he'd make his mind known, if he'd let May and the rest of the world in. It was not knowing that the seed of madness, loneliness, suspicion, fear. But there are ways to solve this. Clarity had made her noble to the world and had made her better, brought her close, she hoped, to perfection. Now the world would follow. Full transparency would bring uh, full access and there would be no more not knowing. May smiled, thinking about how simple it was, how pure. Bailey shared her smile. Okay. Uh, all right. Uh, so this book it has a different ending in that May fully buys into the circle uh, and just doesn't see any sort of reason. Okay. Um, uh, and then, so it is around this time that it is revealed that Calden is Ty, one of the CEOs who made the fucking circle. Uh uh, Ty tells May to close her eyes and picture the future, and that is in the circle. Um, oh. May opens her eyes and says, "Okay, good. I see everything clearly now." It says, uh, "May pictured all this. She pictured the circle being taken apart, sold off amidst scandal, thirty thousand people out of jobs, the campus overtaken, broken up, turned into a college or mall or something worse." And finally, worse? she pictured. And finally, she <laughs> pictured, and finally she pictured life on a boat with this man, sailing the world, untethered. But when she tried to, she saw instead the couple on the barge she met a couple months ago out on the bay, out there alone, living under a tarp, drinking wine from paper cups, naming seals, reminiscing about island, about island fires. She doesn't want to be alone. She wants to be on the circle. Yeah, that's about it. Well, okay. Andy's in the coma. Calden is sold out. 
uh, and the circle continues on. There's a part in the book where Calden is like, the circle must, you cannot close, the circle must not be closed. You can't allow them to close the circle. Don't close the circle. <laughs> Which is, I guess, this is the version of the utopia, whatever, or dystopia. Gotcha. That's the book. It's bad. <laughs> there are parts of it that are interesting, but you you heard all of those sex scenes. Yeah. But, uh, all the good stuff sounds like it's in the movie. Yeah, yeah. pretty much. Fun. But yeah, that's the circle. And I think that's an episode, right? Yeah. I think Ooh. that's we're closing the circle. We are we are closing. You know, I read this in freshman year of uh, college, and now I'm in my final semesters as a college student, and I'm just really happy to know that this all came full circle. Oh, my Alan. goodness. Alan! Oh! Alan, where can people find you online? Well, Ryan, not here. Just kidding. <laughs> people can find me <laughs> online at Alan Ibrahim on Twitter. That's A-L-L-E-N-I-B-R-A-H-I-M. And if you want to listen to my silly voice on another pod... You can listen to me on Chats, a television podcast found wherever you listen to those. Uh, I just had Ryan on an episode, the latest one. Yeah. Ooh. We talked about Phoenix Wright. Usually, it's my friend Magellan and I, and we talk about television. We're watching the newsroom right now. It's a very bad show. It's also about our modern times. Uh, but we're having fun watching it, and we're going to get back to it very soon, starting with season two. So, check that out. Katie. Yes. Where can people find you on the internet? People can find me at Cedar Grave. Um, that is my, I guess, all-inclusive tag. You can find me at DeviantArt, Tumblr, Twitter, and Instagram on all those nice places. And I have nice art to see, so I would really appreciate it if you checked it out. Nice. Katie also did the podcast art for this podcast. I did! Um, <laughs> Which is very good, and if you like that, you should check out the rest of the art. Thank you. Um, and then you can find me on Twitter at Taco Detective. Taking a bit of a break, but I'm still on there every now and then. Um, and then you can find the Twitter podcast for this podcast. Twitter this podcast fire <laughs> at podcast fireside at at podcast fireside. <laughs> Twin Peaks. Twin at at podcast fireside. Albert, <laughs> I um, follow all the media accounts. <laughs> That's my Albert oh impression. <laughs> you you hit refresh and new posts show up on the feed like magic, Albert. Gordon, Gordon, you don't have to follow back everybody. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, I want Gordon Cole and Albert to be on Twitter. I oh my saw, god, I see their likes even though I'm not following them. What is this? Oh my god. Gordon, give me your phone. <laughs> uh, and then uh, you can find the podcast at firesidefriends.net. We host on Abnormal Mapping, abnormalmapping.com. There's a bunch of shows on it. Check them all out. They're all good. And that's it for us. Until next time, good luck out. Oh, wait. No, we got to announce yeah, where what can they we're find doing. you? I, 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 just, I you, said Ryan? that. I said oh, that. Okay. What, what we actually, what we actually need to do is announce what we're doing for next episode. Katie, you chose what we're doing, so I'll have you do that. Yay! Okay, we're gonna watch the anime Sanrio Boys 
based off of the game of the same name. And I'm really excited for it because I love Sanrio. I love Otome games. I love anime. So I'm ready to see it. And how many episodes are there? I think there are currently seven, but it's still airing. So we can just watch like the first three or something. Uh, We could... We have a whole month. We have a whole month. Let's do seven. Let's do the seven that are are out right now. Really? Okay, yay! I'm excited! (laughs) It's in the anime, and we have a month to watch. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, We'll be doing that. Yeah. It seems cute. It does seem cute. I watched, like, some previews of it. This seems really cute. There's a Hello Kitty plushie in it. I have no idea what the plushes do. I just see boys looking at them as if they are extremely significant, but I don't know what it means. Um, well, they 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 each have their favorite characters, so they kind of represent the Sanrio characters as boys, okay. kind of, I guess. Fantastic. But yeah, that's Sanrio boys. It's probably, is it on Crunchyroll and all that stuff? It is. It is. So it'll be easily streamable, so that'll be fun. And uh, I think that's it. Anime, good luck out there, and don't forget to take care of yourselves. We'll see you all later.